I'm Ben Forrid. I'm Austin Letcher. And I'm Alyssa Mendel. And this is Chordscast. This podcast is created by the team at the Coordination of Rare Diseases at Sanford, or CORDS for short, which is a rare disease registry working to tie together patients and researchers, no matter their condition and no matter where they are in the world. In these episodes, you'll hear interviews with scientists, physicians, rare disease patients, and advocates, along with updates on our registry and ways that you can get involved. Let's get started. To the first episode of Chords Cast, the podcast brought to you by the team at the Coordination of Rare Diseases at Sanford. My name is Ben Forrid, and I'm here today with Austin Letcher and Alyssa Mendel uh, from the Chords team. For this first episode, we wanted to really give you kind of a background on Chords, um, Sanford Research, who we are, in case you don't know. Um, we are the research arm of Sanford Health, a large hospital system uh, that's based in the Midwestern part of the United States really among several major research initiatives that we've got. About half of our laboratories have projects that focus on rare diseases. And so as a group of rare disease researchers and scientists, we really recognize the value in creating a cost-free registry platform for patients with rare conditions um, so that they can participate in research and uh, provide information about their health to those who are working to improve it. And so uh, we've created the CORDS registry to, to meet that goal. And the purpose of this podcast is really going to be to spread awareness for all rare diseases, um, to highlight the partner groups that CORDS works with, um, and also uh, scientists. You're going to hear interviews from both uh, advocates and scientists on this podcast. And then we're also going to use this kind of as a conduit to provide updates on the registry and um, you know where, where we're going with things. So, Austin, um, why don't you tell me a little bit more about CORDS and how does it work? What's the, what's the basis for, for what we do? Absolutely, Ben. Yeah, so first and foremost, uh, CORDS is a cost-free platform for patients, researchers, and patient advocacy groups. And uh, we help patients and patient advocacy groups collect longitudinal data. But at its most fundamental level, CORDS is a contact registry. So we collect basic contact information on those patients because you got to be able to connect with them uh, to notify them about these research opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's another thing CORDS does is we share the data with anyone that is approved to access it. So whether that be industry, pharma, academics, anyone that is interested in the data, uh, we don't hold it proprietary. We are here to share that data. Awesome. So how does the CORDS uh, program work with advocacy groups? Um, you know, there's a couple of different ways that we can work with foundations to help them achieve their goals and help us build a better, more robust registry. So yeah, how does CORDS work with those groups? Yeah, the partnership really starts after uh, we you know, sign a participation agreement with one another. And I'll typically work with those partners to develop those, their disease-specific surveys If they have a scientific or a medical advisory board, uh, typically we will try to have them counsel us on what type of questions are important. Uh, Sometimes, you know, the parents really have a good idea. They're the experts on what to ask and everything. So 
they'll get involved as well. And then it's just uh, creating a, a paper-based form that then I can create online. And then we can work with them on different strategies to recruit for the registry as well, whether it be a lottery or notifications on Facebook, emails, uh, that whole gamut. So Alyssa, I'm shifting focus a little bit on um, patients, families, uh, how, how working with individuals works. You know, ethics has always been a foundational piece of the CORDS story. And so can you tell me a little bit about how CORDS works with Sanford Research's internal review board or our IRB to uh, design questionnaires and, and work to connect patients and researchers? Yeah, so the IRB stands for Institutional Review Board, and they're there to make sure that we are operating to the highest ethical standards possible. All questions that we ask participants, they go through the IRB to be approved. And the great thing about being an IRB approved study is that we are listed on clinical trials and we're actually on there as a 100 year study. So we're going to be around for quite some time. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be able to collect some good data. Yeah. So um, those longitudinal aspects of it, you know, helping helping groups build that um, natural history requires input over multiple patients over a long period of time. And, um, you know, having that type of a, a clinical study. Um, set up as our foundation really helps us meet that goal. So what what does an advocacy group or even individual participants um, get out of participating in courts? So an advocacy group, they're going to get the access to the data for their own educational and marketing purposes. Uh, They can tell who's been enrolled uh, with their group. They will also be able to help their individuals complete enrollment and then additionally, the great thing, too, about CORE, just because we are an international database, we attract people from all over the world. So oftentimes we're bringing in new members to these advocacy groups that we partner with. Can you tell me um, how participants get to participate in, in research and clinical trials through their um, enrollment in CORDS? How can we help connect them to those opportunities? Yeah, so by participating in CORDS, we have researchers, again, from all over that will come to us and ask if we have a certain type of patient population in our registry. And then what we will do is comb through the database and see what participants meet the criteria that these researchers are looking for, and then we notify the participants about research opportunities. So for the first episode of Chords Cast, we thought that it was really important to get a good background of um, how Chords came to be and the type of environment that existed um, before it was created. And so we're sitting down today with uh, Dr. David Pierce, uh, the scientist and the man behind uh, Chords. And so, um, Dr. Pierce, maybe you could tell me just a little bit of background. How did you get into rare disease research? Yeah, so my background is, is I'm a PhD uh, in biochemistry, and when I was doing my postdoc in molecular biology, uh, you know, I was studying things, you know, for understanding cellular processes, because, you know, back then I was just a geeky scientist. And so I discovered something uh, that sort of was controlling degradation of proteins in one of the cellular organelles called the mitochondria. 
And uh, as I started to read a little bit more around this area, and I was starting to think about becoming an independent researcher myself rather than being in, in, a, in a large lab, uh, I read about uh, a rare disease called Batten disease and that had uh, problems in degradation of proteins associated to the mitochondria. Um, so I started to, to, to read about that and understand that. And cutting a long story short, really uh, made a discovery that uh, demonstrated that the degradation of this protein and this system was probably not the basis of the disease. Mm-hmm. Um, most importantly, at the time, you read about these rare diseases and then I got to meet some families and you just say, wow, oh my God, you don't know that these devastating diseases are out there. So bad diseases, it's a slow decline in mental function. It's a devastating and always fatal rare disease so I was very touched by that and as I was making these initial discoveries I became a parent for the first time of you know a healthy child and it just sort of really resonates with you that you know Mm -hmm. how lucky you can be and uh, I decided I was going to make a contribution to this disease. So your your background in rare disease research kind of led you to to decide that um, there's a need for a registry out there. You know, how are the two of those things uh, linked? Yeah, it's a continuum of the story. I mean, um, as I was doing research and growing uh, my research base in Batten disease, I was determined to come up with a clinical trial and determined to try and treat this disease. And uh, through that journey, I recognized that I needed to recruit a physician lead to to really put together a a natural history study because nobody Mm -hmm. really truly understood how this disease progressed. You can't do a natural history study of of children with rare disease unless you have their contact information. Mm -hmm. And that's really what a registry is. And fortunately, we did go to clinical trial, the first ever one for juvenile band disease, and that would never have happened if we hadn't gotten a registry together and then a natural history study. So when I was recruited uh, to Sanford uh, to, to really develop uh, research programs, uh, one of the focuses to me was, is well, we want to do more clinical trials in rare diseases, and I don't know what disease to pick next. Let's do them all <laughs> and try and have this utopian goal of having a, a registry for all rare diseases, and then ultimately we could use that as a platform for clinical trials in all rare diseases. Sure, just to, to replicate the success that you saw in Batten disease for mm-hmm. all 7,000 diseases. Exactly. Awesome. So, Dr. Pierce, what advice do you have for patient advocacy groups that want to work more with researchers and scientists? Yeah, I would say, you know, approach as many researchers and scientists as you can, um, because the language of research and language of rare diseases and patient advocacy don't always match. So I would say, you know, talk to researchers that specifically work on your rare disease, but also if you, you know, if you read a little bit around what the basis of it is, I I wasn't studying Batten disease, for Mm -hmm. example, I was studying a process that led me to Batten disease. So be broad uh, in, in terms of your approach to trying to find scientists and researchers. And then also, here's the key, keep them accountable. Mm. If you're looking you know, as an advocate to, to support research or having research advocate for you, hold them accountable. Make sure you have some uh, advice from people who aren't in the field. Mm. And uh, you, know, you can find those people to help you. So how do you feel about the, the future direction of rare disease research as a person who's been in this field for a long time, um, you know, and, and put that into the perspective of, you know, funding, um, you know, novel therapy development and, and just overall awareness for rare diseases? Yeah, I think, you know, it's been 20 years, far too long that I've been working on Batten disease, but the, the, uh, 
really the future or the present, I would say, is much more optimistic now than it ever was for many, many rare diseases because it takes technology to develop a therapy. And if you can develop a platform like gene therapy, I mean, gene therapy is a reality in some mm-hmm. rare diseases right now. Mm-hmm. And really the science is not specific to a rare disease. It, it was really a delivery platform. Any cure, every treat, any treatment has to be delivered somehow. Okay. And the research and delivery techniques has just really accelerated. So I'm very optimistic. Of course, the underlying biology is still a problem with some rare diseases, but uh, you know, this, but it's much better now than it was. In terms of funding, I mean, funding has always been, you know, difficult uh, to justify for some of these rare diseases when you're talking about narrow populations. But I think it's on the up because people are beginning to realize now that this term precision medicine started with rare diseases. Mm-hmm. Precision medicine, whether it's in cancer looking at a specific mutation, that causes a disease, that's what we've been studying for those 20 years. Mm -hmm. So people are beginning to realize that studying these rare diseases has uh, great significance. And I think it's getting a little bit more recognized in that sense. And then in terms of awareness, you've just got to beat the drum Mm -hmm. and uh, get that out there. But I think the fact that uh, some of these platforms are developing therapies is meaning that we are getting, uh, you know, more awareness and more success stories such as, you know, curing children with these types of diseases through gene therapy or through stem cells yep. or cellular therapies. It's just a feel-good story. And, and everybody wants to be yeah. part of a feel-good story, and it promotes more and more mm-hmm. feel-good sure. stories. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today, kind of give us a background. Um, as this podcast continues on into the future, you know, we hope to deliver um, – multiple interviews with scientists such as yourself to, to glean more uh, perspectives on what it's like to work in this field and um, really to provide hope for uh, everyone affected by rare conditions. Well, thanks. It's been a joy to do this. Thanks so much for listening. The theme music for Chordscast is borrowed with permission from Scott Holmes's song, So Happy. To learn more about Sanford Research and our registry, Chords, visit us at sanfordresearch.org chords. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your questions, comments, stories, or feedback to chords at sanfordhealth.org. Find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Sanford Chords. The content of Quartzcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. We'll see you next time on Quartzcast.